Welcome to Generative Leaders, a series of conversations with leaders generating positive outcomes for society, the planet, and future generations. To inspire, challenge, and have fun with what's universally true of the human mind. I'm your host, Julia Revolts, and this week, to help me, I'm in conversation with Charlotte Harrington. Charlotte, we'd love to hear about Baloo and what it is, why it's a regenerative business and and your role in it. Sure. So Baloo is a drinks business. We were founded on the premise that there was a better way to do business and that through doing business, we could help solve some of the world's problems. So we trade as a business, not a charity, but we're a social enterprise and all of our profits are invested in our purpose. So a really simple kind of commercial business model that strives to change, I guess, some of the challenges across the world. We so happen to be in water and drinks, but in theory, this could be applied to, to any kind of business. So I joined the business about eight years ago, and I'm now co-CEO, and we are, I guess, embarking on an aggressive kind of growth plan, having come out of COVID and having secured investment. We're looking to grow. So we feel like we're a sort of 20-year-old startup is, I guess, how we describe ourselves. So we're a business that, that focuses first and foremost on coming up with sustainable solutions um, and then offering those solutions in drinks to our hospitality and kind of corporate partners. And when you say sustainable solutions, what do you, what do you mean by that? So we, I, I guess when we were founded, um, and it, the business was founded by a guy called Reed Padgett, who was really ahead of his time in terms of his thinking, he set us up as a campaigning brand. And the idea was that we wanted to demonstrate some of the challenges around bottled water. So he set up a bottled water company, striving to do it differently. And that really started with the way in which we packaged our water. So looking at how can we use more recycled content in our product, but also how can we remove our packaging? So we offer obviously bottled products, but then we also offer filtration systems. So the idea is to kind of challenge the industry benchmark and demonstrate that there's a, a better way of doing things, which is easier, I guess, because we're a smaller business, but actually then it can be taken on by scale businesses. And, and that's the, the interesting part that we can play within the industry. It's interesting because it sounds like the journey that you've kind of been on with the business is, you know, first of all, looking at the, the product itself um, and then looking at the business model. As you said at the beginning, you've then moved into a co-CEO model as well so you're even sort of looking at different ways to do leadership so tell everyone a little bit about that and how that came about and how it is being a a co-CEO yeah it's always a good talking point actually the co-CEO bit and I suppose you know the way it came about was quite organic in 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 reality when I look back so we had a very clear succession plan um, for the outgoing CEO back in March 2020 the board had approached me to be CEO and I said at the time, no, don't think I can do that. Can't balance it with kids. See, it's quite a lonely role. Don't want to do it on my own. I uh, was very happy to recruit Nat, who joined the business in March 2020, just as we hit, obviously, the, the kind of COVID first lockdown. And I guess, you know, what happened quite quickly was we 
became a business that was in crisis management. So probably 98% of our revenue disappeared overnight. We'd gone from a £6 million business generating about a million pounds going to water aid each year to a business that couldn't really see a kind of an opportunity to exist beyond the next six months based on our cash flow. So it was quite a challenging time, coupled with the children coming home and homeschooling and Nat joining the business and, and actually the only person really being able to you know, inform the board and the teams to what we should be doing, being me, was, was really challenging for both of us. I look back and go, I'm not quite sure how we did it. But, but equally, I look back and remember that there was an element of time that we hadn't had before because business as usual takes up so much time and energy that you don't have time to step back and think. And actually, when the team weren't processing orders and managing income inquiries, it gave us the opportunity to reassess. And out of that reassessment came a kind of, you know, a, a, a thinking from a business model perspective and a what if, what if we do things differently? And within that, as you say, the, you know, the, the way in which we run the business. So it was actually Nat's idea, I think, in the summer of 2020. And Initially, I was like, why would you want to do, why would you want to share the job that you've come in to do? Why would I want to do that? And so it was a sort of, mm, not, I'm not saying no, but I'm not saying yes immediately. It was a sort of, went in to, uh, uh, I guess, more of a, Ooh, actually makes sense. We have very different skill sets. We have very different ways of looking at the world. And at that point, that's what the business needed. It needed two very different minds looking at what we could be when we come out of this, which at the time didn't feel like it was any time soon. So it sort of evolved from there. What would you share about how you've kind of navigated that melding of two minds as you've been through and, and what have been the benefits of that? So I think it's taken time, probably longer than either of us had necessarily appreciated to understand how one another tick. Um, it took a lot of your time to, to get me to a point where I could see and believe that actually I could do that. And that was something that was going to be beneficial to me and to the business. It, I think it was probably you that described it as it's going to be like a marriage. And that's what it's like. You have to keep working at it. And I think we set out quite clearly with an honest conversation around this is when I'm at the best. This is my shadow side. These are the things that I think I bring to this relationship and, and actually to get the best out of me, this is how I like to operate. So having a really clear understanding of how each other likes to operate so that we could then figure out where are the complementary skill sets and, and where do we need to keep working? And then beyond that, just a really open dialogue every week so that there's no surprises, there's no unilateral decisions on key decisions. I think it is something that you have to continue working on, like a marriage. It really, it really is. But it, it sounds like you've, you've got a place where you, where you've, you know, really got that equal, equal partnership. You know, that, that vision of your leadership and what it means to both of you to sort of be what I would describe as regenerative leaders. You know, you're really trying to do something different. What, what does that mean to you in terms of how you think about your role as a, as a leader? I think it's about, you know, you hear people talk about it a lot. It's about being yourself. So, you know, it's, it's a lot about looking after yourself, being self-aware, trusting my instincts and believing in myself. But, but also, I think, believing in the other person and trusting them. 
And I think that's a, you know, it's an ongoing cycle. So, you know, it kind of ebbs and flows and you sort of have to live with it and, and be comfortable sometimes in the ambiguity that that brings. But actually you take joy in then what happens when you, you, you sort of figure it out and you find a way through it. And, and, and a belief that, you know, you all come out with better outcomes with two minds on it and a team that has the same autonomy and the same empowerment to operate in a way that, you know, certainly in other businesses that I've worked in, you you wouldn't have been given those opportunities or had that chance. So I think it's a quite a freeing sort of existence more than anything. And we will go faster, I think, as a result of it, because we'll have better and stronger foundations. So it is really that generative piece that you bring out the best in each other um, is what I'm sort of hearing you say is how you find that in each other and, and in the team that work with you. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's critical because I think when I look at the, the sort of the blue, uh, we call it our DNA, our, you know, the values that we work with, you know, collaboration and partnership is a critical part of that. And whether that's internal partners or external partners who we rely on to create our products or provide us with, you know, a finance system, actually all of them need to understand that's how we operate, which is, you know, is sometimes quite different and sometimes quite challenging, I think, for other more traditional businesses to, to understand and appreciate. But we've often been told that it, it challenges them and, and makes them look differently at how they approach things and, and what they do. So I think it is a bit different, but, but I think at the moment it feels like it works for us and it works for the team. And that's the most important part, <laughs> you know, having something that works for you and, and works for the team. Um, you know, I, I, I hear so many leaders bound by structures that um, other people have come up with that just don't really work for them. And so I love what you're saying about, you know, you've got to find the thing that really works for you and the people around you to, to really make the best of your leadership and the best of, of, of the business. So what, what are some of the key insights that you've had about yourself um, that have sort of really helped you step into that space and let go of all of the traditional models and the traditional ways of doing things and sort of break out and, and find your own way? I mean, I think the probably the biggest insight and the one that stays with me on a day-to-day basis is, is to really trust my instinct and be clear on and share what my key values are, because I think that then enables people to know how to work with me. So I think, you know, there is a, an element of honest, kind of transparent conversation that needs to happen, which traditionally I don't feel ever happened in my early career and, and holds people back. So that bit I think people refer to in big businesses maybe as being the sort of the politics that goes on, uh, you know, around the kind of behind the scenes, getting rid of all of that. I think just stepping back and giving yourself time and space to think. So, you know, when things are tough, actually, usually what I would have done is I would have worked all the hours that I could find. I, you know, I would have worked harder to find the solution. And actually, I learned that that's not the way to, to achieve it. You need to be present. You need to be in the moment, but you need clarity to think and you need clarity to be creative. And that takes time. And, you know, a stressed out mind does not give you that clarity. And actually working harder is probably the wrong thing to do at that point in time. It's my time to go out and go for a walk and breathe and do all the things that you know are good for you, but you don't make time to do necessarily. 
that's really interesting that you've noticed that most people are taught <laughs> that when you have a problem, you should work harder at it and go and try and shake it down to get a solution. But you realize that actually it's the antithesis of that and that actually a very busy, stressed mind can't solve the solutions for, for what, it's, you know, what it's facing. What is it that you learned about how your mind works and the equipment that every single human being has <laughs> that enabled you to kind of have that deep realization that's, that's changed things for you? So I think it was learning about, I, I guess, it, it, the, the difference between the fleeting thoughts that you have all the time every day, those that you recognize and, and how you recognize them. And I think it was the, the movie projector playing the film and and the, the influence that experience gives you and that sort of learnt behaviour in terms of your response and how sometimes that isn't the reality and there's a different perspective. And, and actually, you know, you have all of the skills and the tools that you need, you just forget to access them and you forget that you, you have an innate ability to do whatever you're challenged to do as you are as you, you know, when you look at children, it's, you know, it's most obvious they trust you, they believe in you, they will do whatever you ask them to do, generally. Um, from a challenging perspective, they approach it just with a really open mind. And actually, as you get older, the finger kicks in and the habits that you've created kick in. And, and actually, you have to learn to move beyond that or just put them to one side and, you know, talk to yourself and remind yourself that you can do it. And, you do know how to do it. And I, and I think it's that sort of the, the playing the movie projector, you know, you can change what you play, but you have to opt in to do that rather than just allowing it to play out as it has always played out or how you were. For me, I think, you know, for how I was trained to let things play out from a kind of corporate background and a different era. You know, I, I do look back at my early career and think, you know, I was the things that I was taught to do actually aren't terribly helpful as a leader today and times have changed significantly and so you know you do need to kind of reprogram your your thinking so i mean there might be some people listening to us that um you know that the movie projector is going to be you know a new concept so i'll, I'll just play that out um in terms of the, the mind really is creating reality from the inside out and we tend to think of the mind as a camera taking in the outside world, but actually we're, the mind is creating reality in every single moment. And so we use this metaphor of, of a movie projector. And so Charlotte, in terms of you, you kind of seeing your habits of the way that you dealt with things, that can be quite useful in, in having good, strong habits. But when you're faced with something unexpected or that you've never experienced before what have you noticed about that I think I'm more aware of how to make me feel and therefore reacting to those those feelings but I think also because I am I am more simply self-aware I can take a step back before I respond which I think probably is different to how I would have tried to deal with things before I would put my hand up and said, you know, I don't know the answer. I don't have all the answers here. So we need to figure this out together. So rather than feeling like I have to be a leader that has all the answers, 
actually, you know, showing a vulnerability, I think, is a strength. And I think getting the team to feel that they have a strength and can play into it has been really, really helpful. And I think given what we've been through in the last couple of years with the pandemic, we've needed everyone's strength to, to figure it out because it has been an uncharted kind of path. And so, so I think trusting those feelings, believing in, in the team and collaborating has been far better than me trying to battle on my own. And what do you think enabled you to kind of let go of that fear? Because, you know, you said, you said earlier, you know, you just need to recognize that there's fear and insecurity there and, you, and, you, and you've got to let go of it, which many people listening to this, you know, they might think, oh God, yeah, that, that would be a really nice thing if I could do that. But how the hell do you do that? What did you notice about that in terms of your ability to sort of let go of that fear and that insecurity and, and say to people, Look, I don't have all the answers, but I completely trust that we'll come up with, with, with whatever we need to come up with. It's far easier to say it than to do it. I know that. And, it's st- and I, still, I still have to remind myself. So I, I think it took time. It took a lot of time. You know, there is, a, there is part of me that you know, has to remind myself and think, what's the worst that can happen? You know, what really is going to be the worst outcome here? Um, and generally, for me, it was always about putting myself out there, standing on a stage, being on a panel. I'm really confident behind the scenes. I'm really confident working with a team, with suppliers. That's my comfort space. Anything that takes me beyond that was the, was the barrier. I don't know what stopped me, and I don't know exactly how I did it, but I just chose to try and do things and, and say yes more often than I said no to opportunities so that I could practice. And I think, you know, having worked up to it and recognized that I just needed to sort of get over myself and, and just get on with it, you know, actually the positive response you then get creates a sort of positive momentum. And, and before you know it, you're going, oh, yeah, no, this is, I can do this. This is okay. And there's all sorts of things like imposter syndrome and all of that sort of playing in the background. But you just have to move forward and and create that that positive energy and there is a certain buzz as well I think you get and and that helps but more than anything I think it's being really grounded in who I am and you know what's important to me and people can agree or or disagree and you have to respect them for that and that you, you know you you alluded to it but you didn't say this so I hope you don't mind me sharing, but you, you shared with me that you just got over it in your own mind. You know, you, you saw that these were thoughts that you were having about yourself, that you couldn't do this or you couldn't do that. And, you know, you were like, well, they're just thoughts. I don't have to believe yeah. that. And the more that you started to go, well, you know, what if I didn't believe this? What might be possible? And that then enabled you to go, well, let's just have a little practice. Let's have a little try. Let's have a little go at this. And what's the worst that could happen as a result? Yeah, that's exactly, exactly what it was. And, and I think it is that sort of what if, you know, what if we did something differently? What if we tried it? You know, it is just having that sort of that set of questions that pushes you, but, but in a way that doesn't feel uncomfortable. And I think a lot of that comes down to your confidence in yourself, though, and your self-belief and your ability to trust your your instincts and and say yes. So 
everybody's got this ability to have instinct and, and intuition. And you've talked about that quite a bit in terms of really trusting your guts, your instinct. What do you think that is in, in, in you? How would you describe that to other people so that they could get a sense of, oh, yeah, I have that too? I, I know we talked about this a lot. It's, it's just a, it's a feeling. It's, a, it's an innate confidence, actually, that your thinking is right and it's spot on and that, you know, people not, might not be at the point where they are ready to join you on that. So it, it's holding on to it and, and, and recognising that in the future, that's where you need to get to. But people aren't ready necessarily to make that leap. You have to take them with you. But you know inside, you just know it's the right decision. And I think, you know, I, I think certainly one of the things that that I recognize was when I'm dealing with kids, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. But actually, I do instinctively know what's right and what's wrong for them. And how do I get the best out of them? It's just a gut feeling. And you trust that gut instinct in a way that I probably at work, I'd stop trusting it for whatever reason. Getting back to it then fuels that confidence that you have and that innate ability to navigate whatever is thrown at you. And for me, it is very much a gut instinct. For others, it could be quite different, but there is something about that feeling of confidence, I think, that that you know, you feel on top of your game, you, you know, you know your stuff. That's that's the bit that you have to hang on to. So is there a way of sort of you describing what that feels like? You know, if, if one of your children was asking you, you know, mum, how does that feel for you? You know, what, what would you, how would you describe it? I know what it feels like when I, when it doesn't feel like that. And that's that kind of sick feeling in your stomach, that kind of, oh God, this has gone horribly wrong. Um, I know that quite well and can articulate that well. I think it's more just a, I think it's an energy and a warmth and a, it just, I can't think of another way of describing it other than it's that kind of confidence that you stand up tall, you know how to explain whatever it is you're trying to explain if I can't explain the feeling. You know, I think it's, it's simply that. That's all it is, that confidence and that energy and a belief in a, you know, I want to make this happen now. The excitement, I guess, is what comes out. I probably start talking faster and, you know, I'm more animated. That's, that's the bit that people would then see. Maybe that goes some way to explaining the feeling. Yeah. No, well, and it's sometimes it's really great to explain what it's not than more <laughs> than what it is. <laughs> but I'm, I'm hoping that the listeners can identify with the moment that everybody's had in their lives where, you know, they've just felt like everything's right with them and, and everything's right with the world. And they just, you just know, it's just a feeling of knowing and we would describe that as it's a peaceful feeling it's a it's a still feeling it's got a certain energy to it and you know as you say it's like you know when you have thoughts that come up that don't come with that feeling you you know that you're not quite there you know that you're not quite there in finding the right results so you so you keep looking you keep exploring you keep wondering and, and as you said, doing the, the what if scenarios. And I think it's that it gives you that clarity of thought. I think that's the other piece that it gives you that reassures you that you're on the right track. But it is, it is, it's that being at peace with yourself. As you said, it's just so clear in your mind. Yes. Have you got any examples that come to mind? 
for for you specifically stories that would illustrate those moments that you had in the either in the pandemic or I mean I think if I look back at the pandemic I think the way in which we approached Baloo in lockdown could have gone a number of different ways and I remember being really clear about there were sort of three or four options I recall you know we could absolutely just hibernate everything you know follow everyone and you know come back out when the coast looked clear we could hunk down cut up costs try and muddle through or we could reimagine what things could be and we could invest some time and energy and money in getting us to a more positive place and I was really clear that there were those three options and that my favorite option was the third because I believed that we would then be in a stronger place than our competitors who may approach it differently. And, you know, we could use that time to figure out actually what do we need to do differently in a business that effectively is going to be a startup when we, when we get back. And so I think I look back at that and I remember that clarity of thought and the way in which I wrote it down as a sort of, you know, here are the options. I think there was a fourth, but I can't remember what that one was now. Um, here, here are the others. Oh, I know what the fourth was actually. That was the even more dramatic one was actually we, we pay everyone. We give everyone six months notice. We pay all our suppliers. And we close the business down and we say, our job is done, which was clearly less favored and has escaped my, my memory. But I think, you know, we have had to look at it quite seriously because we didn't have infinite levels of cash at the point at that time. So we could wind down responsibly or we could go and get investment and we could invest to grow. And and I think being really clear on those options gave me the opportunity to be really clear with the board and the team and for us to then together agree, you know, what we felt the right way forward was. But I do remember having that feeling of this is it. There's no other way out of this. We have to figure it out ourselves. And I did have a confidence in sharing that then. And I guess gathering people together and bringing them together to then make it make it happen and make it real, coupled with Nat coming in and saying, oh, what if we did this over here? And, you know, so I think that was when our kind of co-creating the, the next 10 years, as we now describe it, really kicked off was our choice to, you know, to make a go of it or not, actually. I love what you're saying, Charlotte, because you, you took the circumstances and the circumstances were the circumstances, but you realized that there were many different ways to think about those circumstances. And, you know, you kind of took that step back and gave the different ways to think about it. And, you know, and so anybody can do that, right? Anybody can face a single situation and see it in multiple different ways. So what do you think the value in being able to see that separation of there's the circumstance and then there's a million different ways to think about it? What, what do you think the value in in seeing that and knowing that does for for a human being and a business? I think it's hugely valuable because I think there was a time where I probably would have looked at something and just said, well, you know, this is the only option. We have to just go with that. Whereas I think taking that step back and considering all the options and evaluating the pros and cons of all of them and recognizing that that is the circumstance and there are different views puts you in a far stronger position because actually you have thought about all of the potential outcomes. But I think, you know, when you look at how teams then work, you know, you have to appreciate, and we talk about it more today probably than we ever have done, 
diversity of thinking and how important that is because actually you are then much more likely to find a favorable outcome, I think, than you would do on your own, assuming that you've got the only answer that's out there. And you never know, right? Maybe we should have hunkered down and, you know, but at the end of the day, that wouldn't have felt right. And it wouldn't have been right for the team. and It wouldn't have been right for the long term, I still believe. So I, I think there's a huge business value, but I think there's a huge personal value as well, because I think it gives you, it's much more interesting way of approaching things. It's much more exciting. It's much more fulfilling. And you're continuing to kind of learn and challenge yourself because, you know, you do have to have a broader thought process to get you to the position where you can then, you know, ar- articulate that. And in terms of that, that broader thought process, what do you think fuels that? I sit, I mean, I, I look back and I think it's, you'll probably tell me how the mind has done it, but I can, I can, all I can say is how I remember feeling. Uh, <laughs> I think, well, with the example that I just gave, I think it has to be a belief of wanting to succeed, of wanting to find the right outcome for everyone. I mean, I'm a planner, so I will have sat down and just, you know, written down all my thoughts and ideas and, and then figured out a framework behind it. Others would take a framework and then apply it to the situation and come out with probably very similar answers. So that probably is the insight that you, you can then explain. But but I guess it is taking time. It's being really present with whatever that challenge is and giving your whole mind to that and not darting to emails or, you know, responding to calls and WhatsApps and whatever else is coming in and just focusing on it. And not for, you know, not for long periods of time, like 15, 20 minutes, and then coming back to it and refining it and and allowing it to sort of evolve over, you know, maybe a week, not too long and not spending hours hidden away trying to come up with the answer, actually just little and often. And, you know, sometimes on a dog walk, I'd go, oh, that's the bit we're missing. That's what we need to do. So I think giving yourself space and appreciating, you know, lots of people talk about having, you know, their best ideas in the shower. Actually, that's really true. You can come up with solutions and ideas at any time. And valuing that, I think, is really critical. So it's trusting that your mind's got the answers and that it can produce those in any moment and then being open to whatever it produces. That's exactly it. Fabulous. Fabulous. It's it's a fascinating journey that you've been on because this idea of having Baloo that's doing business in a different way, that's regenerating, but then also going through COVID, you know, a real commercial challenge that every business has been through and in the face of it you decided to come up with a strategy to grow and go go big or go home (laughs) so it'd be lovely to hear about those plans and what is the big plan for blue what's the big vision so back in 2020 we decided to refresh the brand i suppose so we've always been a purpose-led business but we felt that our purpose really needed articulating in a slightly different way so our purpose is quite bold and certainly when we first started the team everyone went oh and how are we going to do that and Even now, we're still trying to figure out exactly how that will um, play out. But we're changing the way the world sees water. And that is in a number of different ways currently. So from the products that we sell, the way that we sell them, to the markets that we serve, to the impact that our impact partners then deliver, everything is linked to, in some way, water. 
and it's essential to life. We all know that. It's, you know, one of the things that actually over the summer, I think people have become more and more aware of how vulnerable we are, even in the UK. So I think it's very current, but also it's something that we've been aligned to for the last 10 years with our partnership with Trade. So we made a commitment to 2030. And in that time, we want to be able to achieve that and we'll achieve it in a number of different ways. So we currently serve the UK hospitality market predominantly and a number of corporates. But actually what we're trying to do is enable people to move away from single use and do that across the world. So our go big or go home plan saw us launch in Hong Kong with filtration back in 2021. And after that being our sort of test of does the blue brand resonate elsewhere, I think we can safely say, yes, it does. And now is the time. So hopefully we will be popping up across the world in the coming years. But I think also what we strive to do is to inspire businesses to do things differently. And whether that's embracing co-working, so the co-CEO model, or looking at their business and, you know, and not just measuring themselves against ESG goals and targets, but really believing that that's a better way of doing business. And us being able to demonstrate how we do it may not translate to bigger businesses, but I think it does show you what a team of, you know, up until quite recently, we've been a team of 12, can achieve. I think the bit that I love is that we are not conforming. We are not necessarily following the the traditional model of, of, of the way of doing things. We're finding our own way and hopefully inspiring others to to join us on that journey as either part of the Blue Collective or starting their own collective and and just using us as a as a case study of how you can do things differently from a, from a place of pretty dire circumstance when you know there is no revenue to be gained really as a b2b business to what i hope will be a multi-million pound business in the future a multi-million pound business that's also creating a huge amount of impact as well both in terms of its products and footprints if we think about these these leaders that are going to create these businesses or are already in the process of creating these businesses, what would you want to share with other leaders that are starting their journey of different business models, different ways of working? What would your advice be to them? I think first and foremost, you need to be in a good place yourself. So you need to be really grounded with what's important to you what your personal purpose is and who you want to surround yourself with. So who do you want in your team? Not specific people, but what type of people, what skill sets do they need to bring that would then complement yours? And what culture do you want to create? Because I think without that clarity, you'll never get to wherever you then went to get to. So I think get really, really confident in who you are and where you want to go. I think from a business perspective, I think all businesses should have a really clear purpose and and a purpose isn't a set of KPIs. It really is something that's probably an audacious goal, but doesn't necessarily need to to be that that kind of measure of, of profit per se. And I think then it needs to be a belief that that will evolve over time and you will refine the how to get there over time. And getting comfortable with that. So being really accepting that you won't have the answers and and that's okay. And I think it takes time. It takes longer than you would probably want. I'm not hugely patient. So certainly for me, some of the 
my frustrations with myself as much as anything can be the fact that I just think I should be able to do it and get it. And, and that's not always the case. So I think accepting that and believing that you will get there is, is probably the most important thing. The sort of theme in what you just said is accepting yourself, accepting the fact that you're not going to have all of the answers and that things will evolve. What have you learned about acceptance and what it takes for you to to be accepting? I think for me, I need to listen intently and and not necessarily respond immediately. So I think my natural inclination is to jump in with a solution or an answer, to appreciate that people have different points of views and, and that those are as valid. And I guess, you know, some in some circumstances sort of to make peace with what I would have liked to happen and accepting that it's not always going to go in my favor, as it were, but that's okay. You know, this is not a game of I win, everyone else loses, and that's not Certainly, given the background, given my, you know, my kind of background in, in corporate and commercial and stuff, you were, you were always taught to win. And, and so actually untraining myself to, to accept that that's, it's okay not to feel like that has been quite an important part of my journey. And, and, you know, and again, it's just accepting, you know, sometimes things happen that you can't control and, and, and you, you know, certainly I think we've, we've all got better at, at that in the last couple of years, you know, sometimes what will be, will be, and you have to make the best of that situation. And again, that's okay. Um, you can't get everything exactly as you want it and you have to roll with that and make the best come, come out of it that you can and not to dwell on it. You know, for me, don't overthink the what might have been, what could have been, what should have been. There's there's no point in that. It's it's past. You can only influence what happens going forward now. Yeah, that I think that's a I think that's a really, really important nugget that you've just shared there at the end. Because, you know, so many people have a tendency to keep ruminating on things, keep wondering about this that and the other and you know the more that we can let go of that thinking and come back to the present moment the more in the game of life we could be and see things more clearly because it's not obscured by the past and um, so I think that's that's a really really great piece of advice that uh, hopefully people can hear and, and recognize in, in in what we're saying. And the other piece that you shared there, Charlotte, that may have got lost, so I just wanted to accent it, was, you know, when you have an expectation, so you've imagined how something's going to go, or you've imagined what something would be like, and then having the realization that, you know, what you've imagined isn't always going to play out how it plays out, and realizing that you have imagined this reality and that there are lots of different other ways for that reality to play out. It's just a fact of life. <laughs> and so rather than getting upset and bothered and, you know, annoyed that expectation hasn't um, played out, it's it, being willing to go, oh, okay, this is, this is, um, this is just a different, a different way of seeing it. Yeah. And, and, and I think you take that through all of your life, actually. It's not just about work. And, and I still have moments where I overthink. And I think the difference now is I recognize that and go, 
that's great, but not very helpful. I'm just going to leave that where it is. And as you say, get present and accept what's happening now rather than what probably didn't even happen in the past. That's my reality, my overthinking of what had happened or what might have been said. So I think it doesn't stop it. You just know how to manage it. So it's having that awareness of what's going on in your own head rather than that than in the situation. Yes, exactly that. Great. Well, are there any final parting words <laughs> um, that you, you would like to share with any of the listeners? I think more than anything, you know, stay curious. So I don't think that anyone has got all of the answers all of the time. I think some people are very good at imparting and sharing lots of words of wisdom. And I think it's, it's sometimes really hard to believe that you've got that in yourself. So I think, you know, my big takeaway has been everyone talks about continuous learning, but genuinely getting curious and continuing to challenge yourself is the most interesting way to lead a business because it's not always about you. It's about the the opportunities for the business. It's about doing things differently. Learn from others, listen to others, be inspired by others. And I think it is that curiosity of learning that will make you a a stronger, more resilient leader, but also, you know, it's a more exciting thing to do every day than simply function as a, you know, a leader of a, of a business. Brilliant. Thank you, Charlotte. And how can people follow Baloo's story, get to know Baloo more? What, where would you point them to? So, I mean, probably our, our website, baloo.org, or we're on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. So all the usual channels. Fabulous. Well, thank you for this conversation, Charlotte. It's been a joy as always. Thanks. And really really looking forward to hearing how the Baloo story continues to unfold and delivers those big, big goals that you've articulated. At the end of the conversation, Charlotte and I had a a little debrief and um, Charlotte noticed some things happening for her. And so it'd be lovely for you to share that as an addendum for the listeners, Charlotte. Yes. So, so I think what, what, what became apparent during, but more acutely after was I sort of reverted to my, my original state, shall we say, pre being more aware of, um, effectively not giving myself time to think. So feeling like I had to have a response and that I would just respond without really thinking through what was being asked. And with all this busy kind of thinking in my head, I didn't have that clarity of thought that I wanted. And that was simply because the record button had been hit and it went from being a conversation to being something quite serious and I had to be more on show and just took me out of my comfort zone. And so I reverted to my type, which wasn't very helpful at the time, even though I could feel it and I knew it. What I didn't know was how to get out of it quickly whilst the record button was on, because in my mind, I couldn't go back to Julia and say, actually, can you just ask me that again? Or can you say that or give myself time to think? So uh, the reality is it takes practice and I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> um, Charlotte, this is, this is one of your first experiments on the podcast. Um, and I think it's, it's really joyful that you're sharing your vulnerability with the listeners. In that, you know, just it looked like for a second that that record button could interfere with with your clarity, and that, but you know, in seeing that actually, at any point, you have the capacity to to clear your mind, 
come back to the present moment, either with a question or a, I'm not sure what you just asked me or I left the situation currently, that all of us have the capacity to do that at, at any moment. Yeah. I really enjoyed that conversation with Charlotte and I was so grateful to her for sharing with you what she had learned through the conversation. If that conversation was helpful for you and you've enjoyed it, share it with someone who needs to hear it. You can do that by going to generativeleaders.co. Things that have really stayed with me since the conversation with Charlotte is really that moment when the red light goes on when that feeling that you've got to perform or you've got to come up with the answer. And the, the mind can flood with a load of really, really insecure thoughts. Like, I'm not good enough. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what the right thing is to say. They're expecting me to be brilliant. Have any of you noticed that sometimes your mind floods with those thoughts and then other times it doesn't? It's really interesting, isn't it? For me, when I when I recognize that my mind is flooded with those thoughts, I, I know that I can't control it. I didn't choose those thoughts. They just showed up in my mind. But what I have started to really recognize and get familiar with is the ability to see that that's what's going on. And it's almost like when I see that that's what's going on, It's like, have this moment of recognizing that that got created inside me. It wasn't the red light that did it. (laughs) It was something that got created in me. And when I see that that was created in me, sort of opens up this space for that to clear, for the mind to settle, and for then new thinking to show up that's usually a lot more helpful and a lot more intelligent. Well, we'll be exploring this more in the next conversation on Generative Leaders. I look forward to seeing you there.